Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. This is your host, Lorraine Nightheart. You've reached Venus Unplugged. And what we do in this Blog Talk Radio is we discuss, explore, discover all things Venusian. The archetype of Venus, both in our personal lives and in our transpersonal lives, through myth and dream. And what we've been looking at is, uh, and exploring, is the myth of Ainanda. Sumerian myth and uh, her journey into consciousness and being a goddess. But before we start that, I wanted to read something that I thought was quite interesting. You know, considering everything that is happening in the world right now, and the culture is in full throttle oppositions, unconscious oppositions, because the task that is before the culture or the world is to integrate the opposites, shadow and light, black and white, above, below, good and evil. So for those that are interested in uh, individuation, which is what Hume calls wholeness, and that journey, uh, it's very important that you really work with what is called the tension of the opposites within yourself. Because although it may feel like, well, what's that going to do with the outer world, you would be very surprised. Because the people that are capable of doing that are uh, being able to be living examples of at least beginning to try to integrate these opposing forces. Because what we're seeing in the outer world is an indication also of what's going on in the inner world. If we change it in the inner world, we can affect the outer world. So uh, this is from a book that I just got. It's called The Fountain of the Love of Wisdom. And, you know, that is my great love is wisdom. And uh, it is a homage to uh, Maria von Franz. Maria von Franz was a first-generation Jungian and she helped Jung in um, in his alchemical work. She was a classic uh, scholar in, of languages and ancient Greek and Arabic and um, many languages and, and her love of alchemy. So she transcribed it, and she became a, uh, a Jungian. And uh, she is an absolute genius at uh, fairy tales. So anybody who's interested in fairy tales, read her books on on fairy tales and individuation and the whole thing. Okay, so so this book is uh, it's really quite wonderful. But what I when I first get a book, I always I just open it up to a page because you know that's for me the the message of either the day or of the book. So I get a sense of like, oh yeah, that's why I was so attracted to this. But I thought this was interesting because I opened this up and it sets here. I will read directly. Maria von Franz herself is an example of, uh, you know, this this kind of archetypal sensitivity and, and this being able to, her individuation is, was in the spirit of love. You've got to love it. 
you get, if you know if you're being dragged through hell, find a way to love it because there's no place in the world that's like hell or what's going on within ourselves. If we judge it and and pull away from it, we don't learn anything, and then we have to go back again and again. And of course, hell in the modern world is also our depressions or addictions or where we're wounded. You know, if we can stay with it, not identifying, not saying, yay, this feels great, being able to go like, wow, I am really here, aren't I? So let me just stop with the judgment and let me look around, even just a little bit, or ask the part of you that can see in the dark. You may not be able to because you're in a panic. And the panic is, I'm never going to get out of this, or I'm losing my mind, or any number of terrifying fantasies that we have. But there is a part that can see in the dark. So uh, they, what, this, what this is about, so her faithfulness to C.G. Young during his life and after enabled her to carry on his opus, that is the great work, not by imitating it, but by dedicating herself to her own creativity uh, in a spirit akin to and shared with him. Thereby, she also gave strength to the hidden and the invisible church. Uh, Now, that's an expression, uh, she told me, chose by St. Augustine to account for the kinship, a human being who is dedicated to the relationship with the self feels when he or she meets a person who does the same in his or her own life. The feeling of relatedness goes beyond any outer label, uh, such, for instance, as Jungian. It seems to me that we are here in the presence of two paradoxes, one being the fact that if somebody is really himself, he is really social, i.e., in relationship with the community, rather than somebody who just wants to play a role. The other, that linkage and faithfulness to another being does not block one's independence. On the contrary, uh, quite unjustly, Maria von Franz was sometimes misunderstood or even accused of being an orthodox Jungian. Orthodox means with the right opinion or belief. How is such a right opinion, let alone a right belief, at all possible? We know that everything is unfathomably mystery. Jung was a searcher, an explorer, a seeker, and a finder, whose endeavor it was to formulate uh, and to accurately as possible what he discovered on his way of his life and in order to communicate it and share it uh, with with prospective readers. But as far as uh, I can tell, he never allowed himself to become infatuated with what he had discovered, nor to succumb to the temptation to transform it into uh, a closed scientific system. Others have to do so and have missed the point. For C.G. Young went on wondering all his life, and in no way did Maria von Franz transform his discoveries and descriptions into a dogma. But so it seems to me she went on searching in her own, in her own creative way, thereby allowing what Jung had discovered as buds to blossom into flowers, which in turn have become fruits and seeds. Jung's work has been compared uh, with a growing tree 
or with a growing branch of a tree, a sort of geological tree of the spirit of mankind, which is also a tree of knowledge, the objective knowledge granted to us by the unconscious. So I think that's a, it's a wonderful image, A, that, you know, here's Jung and uh, one of his uh, first generations and uh, who followed but did not become Maria von Franz, this great woman, this extraordinary being, uh, of course was influenced, but wasn't a copycat. She took it, like Inanna, she took uh, the words and the wisdom and she made it work for herself. So we just don't want to be parrots of uh, someone else's wisdom or discoveries, but use those as, as possibilities to begin our own search, but not just repeat it because then that just is opinion and that comes from the negative animus, which doesn't know how to think. It just has lots of opinions. And that's why when somebody says something to us and we go like, what? What's that about? It's just an opinion. You know, when people are saying things, it's like, what the hell does that mean? It's because there was no truth in anything that they said. It was just a lot of opinions. So there's nothing to grasp onto. I mean, even if it's abstract, there's a part that will go, you know, there's something in that that's a little piece of gold or something. But when it's nothing, don't waste your time being confused because your psyche is telling you there wasn't anything to chew on. There wasn't anything to take. It, there was no truth. It was all opinions, which I think is very uh, important to um, become conscious of, particularly at this time, with everybody's opinion running around, uh, causing oppositions and causing uh, rejection of opposites, when what evolution is trying to do is create a relationship, a tension, doesn't say a happiness, nobody's kissing, you know, it is a tension, how the... You know, the shadow is in the light and the light is in the shadow. And what are we looking at and what's going? So there's a great movement that we are all in the presence of moving the culture along. Now, this may take 500 years. This may take 5,000 years. We don't know how long. It depends on how many people can just hold the paradox of opposites. Now, you may not know how to do it because it takes a lot of practice and a lot of awareness. But if you find yourself going too strongly or swaying too much in one way or the other, you have to say, I, I need to bring in the opposite to this calculation. I need to, or this fantasy. Or I need to be able to do active imagination, which is when you pose a question and then you let the two sides of you answer. But nobody can interfere. We have to let it. So by the people that can do that or are willing to do that, you're making a huge contribution, even though it won't be seen and it probably won't get any gold stars for it. Uh, but it will help not only yourself, but it will help the culture. Because what we're seeing in all of this uh, racial unrest and danger is the danger we are also in. 
because that's what it looks like inside. One side of us is the enemy or the scapegoat and the other, and nobody's seeing everybody else's side. But when we can allow, not pity, because that's not going to get anything, but but an empathy, but a but that really that aha moment where it's like, you know, the truth of the matter is, yes, we all are human, and we have these conflicts on Earth, and is part of the conflict that it's our task to integrate these opposites, to allow them to live in a way that that a third and creative factor can come to pass in our lives, both in in our culture, in our lives, um, and and what that's really about. And so that also takes us right into uh, the story with Ainana. Now, as we left uh, two weeks ago, Ainana's in the underworld. Um, Inky has made uh, two... uh, was asked for help because Inanna needs to broker a deal to get out of the underworld, which she does, all right? And the god Inki, who is a very interesting god. Uh, He's the god of water and wisdom and creativity. And Inki is uh, generative. He he creates. He's creative. He's playful. He's an empathetic male. So he's like um, Mercury. and he includes the opposites and has no abstract boundaryless to the principle of law. So it's this is what we're dealing with in life too. It's like we need that, we need those opposites, but not favoring one over the other. Now I know this sounds like scrambled eggs in your head, but when you begin to see now for those of you that believe in and trust in reincarnation we've been black and white and and yellow and indian and above and below and good and evil we've been all of these things and for those people who um, have relationship with a judgment day the day of judgment is not a group of unknown deities picking us apart the judgment that is spoken about in the esoteric is from the self, from our own self, the capital S self. The divinity within us discerns and judges how we're doing. So there's no outer force that's judging. It's like when we, when we decide to take an honest look and our bullshit, like there's got to be, you know, a bull in here somewhere because I'm spelling something's off. Uh, that's when we can take that honest look and go, you know, I wasn't so kosher with that one. Or if I go a little deeper, hmm, you know, I had an agenda or a part of me that I didn't know had an agenda. So there's always a greater mystery, and that's also what makes it so interesting. Because there's there's no end or finish, so the 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 judgment and we're going to be judged is through the self, not some out of force or uh, a biblical band of beings who are going to just you know 
because nobody can judge another person from the outside. It's from the inside. So the true self says, okay, I need to learn that. I, I can look at that. I can honor that. It's like, ah, I need a little help here. It's that type of thing. It's, it, it's not to destroy. It's to look at. So Inky has created these two little creatures, these servant mourners, right? And these are like, they're like sexless devotees. And they're going into the underworld to, to mourn for Arushka Gal, uh, Inanna's sister, right? Uh, so, because that's what she wants. She needs somebody to really mourn. You know, her sister, in the meantime, Inanna is hanging on a meat hook, rotting. And we all can have that feeling of hanging on a meat hook and rotting. That can come out as depression or boredom, which is always dangerous. Boredom is one of the most dangerous things for the soul because we just do, you know, some really amazingly stupid things when we're bored. It's like, well, I just wanted to try it. Well, that wasn't such a good idea. So these are figures are kind of homorphodite or androgynous or polymorphous creatures. And they participate in the great round, as it's called, by their own lack of sexual differentiation. The opposites, male and female, are not yet set apart in them. So it's like one. And uh, thus they do not embody consciousness as discrimination based by cutting things apart and separating and standing adversary. And uh, uh, But they have the consciousness as em- empathy and mirroring. So we need an empathy and a mirroring. All lives count. And when someone has empathy, they're not identifying. They're remembering. I know what that feels like. I've been there at some point. I feel for that. And also, the struggle to grow. And we all come out screaming when we start to wake up. I've never met anyone who wakes up gracefully because it's such a shock. And that's what's happening now. All these shocks are occurring. But for those who can contain at least the intention of wisdom or philosophy... Philosophy means lover of Sophia. Sophia is the goddess of wisdom. So we pray for that. We ask for that. Show me the way. Forget the little ego that thinks it knows and wants to split hairs with everything. Show me the way of wisdom. How can both be? Because if we can't imagine it and we can't image it within and then through the culture, through art, through sound, through life. It's not going to happen. So this is the task that we're being called for. Now, some are being called to integrate it within themselves. Others are fighting for rights. Others are, you know, whatever it might be, everyone has a part 
in this great cultural shift. So when we have this attitude and intention, great changes can happen. Like I said, it's mirroring this mystery that was happening in in the underworld. And this, of course, is... uh, this myth is is all about uh, also the, the changing of the seasons, because while Inanna is in the underworld, nothing grows in the upper world. So she chooses to be crucified. She's not dragged. She chooses. She knows this great sacrifice must be made for the greater good. She must meet the dark sister. They're separated, and yet they're one. They're one and the same. They belong to one another. You know, so the two sisters together, you know, this is, this is a lunar myth where the light has to descend into darkness in order to reappear into the next cycle. So the two sisters together represent the whole, the unified faces of the great mother, the one imaging the light, the other imaging the dark kills it, yet restores it in the new cycle to play to its place in heaven. Arishkagal is the dark moon who kills her younger sister. My cat just stepped. Morgana, really? She always knows how to, like, step on this computer in a way that stops everything. Well, if I got cut off, I named her Fata Morgana, the fate of Morgane. So she's got magical powers. And so that's what we're looking at here. So this mystery, this descending into the dark of the moon, and for those that are into astrology or moon, uh, the dark of the moon is is the great mystery. Everything is stilled. In ancient times, all women bled at the new moon, the dark of the moon, which had to be freaky-deaky for the guys. Like, what's going on with these chicks, right? Uh, So this is all... there, There is no myth that is not totally viable to the modern world and to our living world now. All fairy tales, all myths are ancient, encoded text of how to approach these opposites. So these uh, these little two beings that are born from the dirt, the shadow of the god Inki, this creative god, and they unhook uh, Inanna, and they mourn, and they yell, and they suffer, and they moan with Arishkagal. Remember, she's lost her husband, and she's, in a sense, pregnant with, with a new life. So as Inanna is coming up into the world of light, Arishkagal begins to go into a crucifixion, a suffering. And what do we really suffer? We are suffering, at least as human beings, I don't know what it is to suffer as goddess, but as human beings, we're suffering our our limited perspective, our limited opinions, our limited uh, idea. We can't imagine one world, but we have to. Because evolution is calling it. And there'll always be people. And that's their place. They're playing their part in this great uh, mythos that we're involved in. 
by being prejudiced and so this very powerful um also it's a very powerful myth that is uh, exactly what's going on with us then it's kind of inside out so Arishka gal and the mourners is what they call inside out and when that that defines like a border region that is one of the earliest uh, parameters of of uh, particularly of childhood we're, we're you know, we're neither fish nor fowl. It's borderline. Uh, and um, we begin to recognize what's really going on here. So this is end episode. Well, I think my cat ended this for us. Okay, pussycat. All right, well, I'll have to listen. So this is what happens with these uh, feminine receptive consciousness does not experience the border as a as a tidy separating. It senses it's like it's it's wild boundarylessness. And that's where we are now. We are discovering so much more. <laughs> 